You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 155. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is our July Q&A. I can't believe I am in July right now, actually, because I'm speaking to you from Edinburgh, Scotland, which is pretty much like the fall weather that you would expect from the U.S. in places like Michigan. So it's cloudy and rainy and kind of crisp and cool at around 60 degrees every day. So coming from Italy and Lisbon and places that are much warmer in the 90s, this has been an interesting change of pace, but I've decided to stay here for a whole week after the meditation retreat I did up in the Scottish Highlands last week so that I can get a certain project finished. I am hoping to push through this week and get it done while staying in this beautiful and very academic feeling city to really makes you kind of feel like working and getting some work done instead of being at the beach or exploring in a kind of a touristy way, like walking around in the summer weather at in other cities that I found like Florence and Rome and those sorts of things. So I'm here in Edinburgh to finish my project and explore the city and all that it has to offer. It's become one of my favorite cities I've visited on the trip so far and I love all the coffee shops they have here that are perfect for me to get work done from. So very excited for this week and what I have coming up. And I'm also excited to be sharing what the meditation retreat was like and what I took away from that experience in this coming Thursday's episode. So we have two episodes for you this week. And thank you for the silent week last week. As you may have noticed, there was no episode last week while I was at the meditation retreat. It was my chance to really unplug, disconnect, and really look inward, especially as that's been such a outward experience over the last few months to be exploring all of these new countries and cities so frequently and taking in so much stuff from the external world. It was wonderful to go inside internally and really settle the mind process what I've experienced and see where I'm at emotionally and mentally and all of those sorts of things. So like I said, I'll be sharing more about what that experience was like on Thursday. Now let's move into the questions. First up is from a lively show guest, Dylan DG. He asked, where are you staying during your travels? Do you figure it out one day at a time? The answer to that is basically I'm about a week at a time ahead. Sometimes there's been a few moments where I've known that I'm going to be somewhere a month ahead because I may be meeting up with someone who's traveling at the same time. That was the case, for example, with my friend Danielle Moss from The Every Girl. She was going to be in Rome in July or June or whatever she was here. I knew she was going to be here for a wedding, so we decided to meet up while she was in Italy. So that was kind of planned far ahead. But then there were moments like at the meditation retreat where I, for example, didn't know where I was going to stay that Friday night come Wednesday. So that was only a few days ahead that I was planning things out. So it kind of varies depending on the situation, but most of the time it's about a week ahead. I've been staying in Airbnbs for the most part or friends' houses. So either staying in a friend's house on their sofa or their second bedroom, or if they're out of town, I've been using their flat while they've been gone. And then Airbnb has been my go-to source for places to stay. I'll stay in the room of someone in parts if I feel like having company and having someone to talk to. 
I did that for the first week I was in London, stayed in a flat with two owners that really helped me out and really became great friends as I got to know them staying at their flat. And then other times I will also just stay in a single room there while the family is still living there, obviously. And that is usually now at this point more if I'm just there for one night and traveling the next day kind of thing, if I'm not going to set roots, if I'm going to stay for a week now, most of the time I'm finding an Airbnb that is a full apartment just for myself. So I can feel like I can create a little home and have my own quote unquote apartment away from home, if you will. I've also done one night at a hostel, so I've now crossed that path, but it was not honestly for me. I do not find that experience something that I enjoy. I know so many people love hostels, so I think it's something that if you're going to do extended travel, you should definitely check out. And I went to one of the best rated ones on Hostel World and had you know heard great things about it, but I just have to say... I'm just not probably the person, even though I'm very extroverted and I really love hanging out with people in travels like this, I don't love the idea of sleeping with six different people that I don't know overnight. And I just like a little bit more privacy than that. So that has been an interesting adventure, but really I kind of think I'm going to keep sticking to the Airbnb and friend house routine going forward. Now we have Marie Teresa Bat who asked, what do you miss most about the U.S.? The number one thing that I miss about the U.S. is the pictures of free flowing fresh water at restaurants. I was very disappointed and frustrated as someone who drinks a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of water while I'm at restaurants. Just having to order and pay for bottles of water, I find it kind of, first of all, wasteful that there's so many bottles being used, like plastic bottles or glass bottles for all of this water. And it's pretty much almost impossible in some places to even just get tap water. They will not, I ask and ask and ask, and they're just like, nope, you have to pay for it. Do you want still or sparkling and those sorts of things. So I really miss those waiters, God bless them in the U.S., that are just walking around to refill your glass with water. That is something that I definitely, definitely miss. In addition, I also miss the easy access to avocados and tortilla chips. Those are huge portions of my diet, and they have not always been the easiest to find in places like Italy, for example. And Portugal, avocados are easy to find, but tortilla chips are more rare. So those have been things that I have missed as well. And just great Mexican food in general. I love me some nachos and Mexican food, and that's just not a cuisine that's very common out here in Europe. That is what I'm missing about the U.S. Next up, we have Amy Beth Acker who asked, Hi Jess, it seems like your coaches have been incredibly helpful and influential during this huge transition period. I was wondering, how did you find them and how did you know they were the right fit for you? This is a great question. I do love coaches, but Amy, I'll also say that though coaches are wonderful, coaches are only half the equation. Then you actually have to apply everything. And most of all, you need to follow your intuition. A coach cannot ever be a substitute for your own intuition. So though I have had wonderful results from working with coaches, it's definitely not the coaches I would say that has provided the joy in my life and the direction in my life. That has truly come from the intuition. They help me troubleshoot when sometimes my ego has a problem following the intuition, or they help me get back into alignment with my intuition when my ego wants to get off course. That's how they're useful. It's not that they themselves are any magic sauce, but they are helping me to stay aligned with my intuition, and that is incredibly helpful. 
One of them that I've seen for several years now, I found because she was a massage therapist and I initially went to her for a massage. And then one of the days that we had a massage scheduled, I had something upsetting happen right before I was about to get the massage. And I don't know about you, but if you just get some upsetting email from a work situation that comes up, you don't really feel like laying there stewing about it while you're getting massaged. It's almost like the stress would be getting massaged into you. So we sat and talked about the situation for the hour instead of the actual massage. And because this coach has been trained in many different formats and things in addition to massage therapy and does do client work like the coaching and talking therapy, that was a really natural fit for her. And I really got along with her well. And now to this point, we still Skype from Chicago, even though she's still there. And she's actually moving to California now. So it doesn't even matter. We just Skype to connect at this point anyways. And I've been seeing her for several years and love her. The other person I see is someone who was recommended by a friend in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I took the friend's glowing suggestion and recommendation and chide her for myself and totally loved her as well. So she is also someone who coaches. I wouldn't say she's a coach. I don't know what you want to call her. Personally, I just have found these two women these ways and I really align with them. And maybe that would be something for you to consider as well if you're looking for someone yourself, finding recommendations from a friend, or even going online and finding a coach that resonates with you online could be a great way to give something like this a shot. But I can say I do love working with them and they do help me stay aligned with really what is my own intuition's guidance along the way. Now let's move on to Pine Gate Road. She said, I've been loving and following along on your adventure. I'd love to know if you're finding any new rituals or routines abroad that you're hoping to incorporate in your life back home, wherever that may be. Thank you so much for sharing all that you do, sending all the happy travel thoughts your way. Thank you so much, Pine Gate Road. When it comes to new rituals or routines that I've done here that I'm incorporating when I get home, I actually think what I've been doing at home is what I'm incorporating here and I would continue to do back home as well. Meditation and intuition writing are the two big things that have helped me the most to stay aligned with my intuition versus my ego. So those are the things I will continue to do. Haven't had any other new routines, but just continuing those from the past and doing them here and would continue to do them at home as well, wherever home may be. So now we have upcycled education, he said, what are your must-see recommendations from your trip so far? So when it comes to the must-see recommendations, I am definitely not a huge castle, museum, sightseer, goer person. I know different travelers are different types, and some people want to see every single one, thank you very much, and other people want to see none of them. I'm more on the none of them side of the equation than every one of them. But here are the things that were wonderful must-sees for me, and they were the ones that I kind of knew I wanted to do. Three of them I knew I wanted to do before I got here, and one of them was a huge surprise, but I would definitely recommend as well. So number one is the Sagrada Familia in Barcelona. Totally did the whole guided tour, the whole nine yards to see the Sagrada Familia right now is incredible. They're 10 years shy, apparently, of finishing the Sagrada Familia, and it is a -a one-of-a-kind, beautiful crazy, inspiring space to be in. And I'm so excited. I remember learning about it in high school in Spanish class and knowing ever since then that I'd love to go experience it. And so that was a dream come true. And also Michelangelo's The David Statue in Florence was, of course, something I needed to see because that is the inspiration for all of the work that I do was his approach to that statue. So I definitely wanted to see that. 
And then on a fun note sketch, afternoon tea in London, that was just incredible. I mean, I had so much fun with my friend Diana there going to that afternoon tea and that beautiful, beautiful space at sketch. So that was definitely a musty wreck from, at least for me personally. And then last but not least, the one that I did not know existed before I got there, but I'm so glad my friend Joanna took me there, was the Quinta de Regalaria in Lisbon. It's actually in Sintra, which is outside of Lisbon, but it is this incredible summer home that an aristocrat or several aristocrats in Portugal have lived in over the years. But in the 1920s, one of the owners of it created this kind of crazy initiation well that has to do with uh, like kind of, I don't know the term. I don't think it's witchcraft. That's not the right term for it, but just like this kind of was really into some interesting stuff and they created this crazy well. So if you want to check out what I'm talking about, Google initiation well, Lisbon or initiation well, Sintra or just Quinta de Regalaria to check out what I'm speaking about. This is crazy staircase. You cut into it through going through these caves and it just was this insane and amazing thing that we never would have imagined would exist, but it was totally a one of a kind experience that I really loved. So if you ever go to Lisbon, I would definitely head up there to Sintra to check that out. And then I guess as a little final thing, one of the must-see recommendations was surfing in Portugal. So surfing in Lisbon for 25 euros for a two-hour surf lesson, including the rental, was worth every single penny and more. Two hours of surf lesson. By the end, I was handing in my surfboard saying, thank you for my money's worth. I am now very tired and I am very ready to be done. But it was incredible. It was the Angel Surf School, if you're interested in going. Totally recommend that too. That was a fun thing I never thought I would do on this trip, but I'm so glad that I gave it a shot. Now we have Subtraction Project. He asked, I found myself so excited and I'll be honest, a little envious of your adventure in the kindest way. If you were to try to recreate your adventure at home, how would you do it? What parts have felt the best? This is a great question. So there's kind of two parts here. First, if I was to try to recreate the adventure at home, how would I do it? The first thing I would do is get friend recommendations for new things to do, because one of the things I've loved the most is I've had friends or people like you listening here telling me where to go whenever I land in a new city. So I get this specially curated list of things to go explore that I do not know about before I get there. So I would do the same at home. I would get friend recommendations for new things to do that I hadn't already, because that's literally what I'm doing here. And that is something you could easily do at home too. And also I would say I would step away from a lot of normal routines and simply do the things that help me be in the right, a mental and emotional place. So of course I would keep meditating and intuition writing, but I would kind of drop a lot of the other routines, like maybe the television shows that you watch in the evenings, for example, or maybe a work routine for a little bit as you try to recreate this adventure at home to find ways to feel like there is a difference in pace because that is something that feels different here than my life at home would in the past in Ann Arbor feel. So those would be the things I would focus on. Stepping away from normal routines that are just keeping me kind of in a rhythm that is the house rhythm versus vacation adventure rhythm, and then also getting friend recommendations for new things to do. What has felt the best has been being surprised by unexpected adventures. That is literally what has been the most cool, crazy part of this is the unexpected adventures that come from flow. Often those adventures come from meeting new people, whether I am standing and waiting for a train and asking someone a question about 
which platform to get on, whether I am at a restaurant and having a drink and start talking with someone about how they work in autism research. I met a girl the other day, like two days ago, talking about her autism research she's doing and how she may move to Boston, but she's here living in Edinburgh. Like, those kind of adventures just are amazing. And then often they can end up spiraling from one conversation to let's go watch a Euro Cup game together to let me show you my favorite things about the city and their favorite places. So then it's amazing because I'm getting this kind of personal tour from someone local that I never would have imagined I would have met in the first place, but then they take me to places I would never imagined having gone once I'm them and going out to these adventures with them as well. So anyways, that has been the best is being surprised by unexpected adventures and just meeting new people from all over the world has been such a joy. It's probably my favorite part of the whole trip overall is getting to meet and interact with totally different people from all parts of the world. It's fantastic. Now we have Larissa Ryan who said, do you ever find yourself purposely not writing to your intuition so you can instead focus on living in the moment and not looking for answers? Or do you find that writing to your intuition helps calm a busy ego-driven mind so you're more easily able to live in the moment? Great, great question, Larissa. I love that you asked this. I would say that I definitely don't avoid writing to my intuition so that I can focus on living in the moment. However, sometimes I don't feel the urge to get clarity and I don't feel any resistance to a situation. So I'm allowing it to unfold without trying to analyze it in every way possible from the intuition. But if there is resistance coming up, if the ego is not going with the flow, then I'm going to write to it to find what I need to have peace in the present moment about the situation. So it does help me stay really focused on the present moment because its answers for me are going to be what I need to hear in this moment. If I get too far ahead and I start asking questions about what's going to happen next fall, for example, or what's going to happen next year, something that would not keep me in the present moment or is not available to me right now based on the information I have in my life, it will tell me something like time will tell or allow it to unfold or allow it to be or let it go. It'll tell me something along those lines most of the time if I'm trying to get a little bit ahead of myself. But otherwise, it will advise me on what I need to do in order to have peace right now. Now we have Hillary Eva 23 who asked, what tips would you give to someone trying to give up a major vice? This is a really interesting question, and I have three steps to this. First, I would focus on having epic empathy for yourself in order to start dissolving any shame or guilt-inspired actions. Often when we have a vice, we beat ourselves up. Our ego goes crazy when we start to find ourselves acting on that vice or after we've acted on it. I can remember binge eating candy bars for years and totally beating myself up over it, totally shaming and guilting myself into the next diet or the next way I was going to eat forevermore perfectly. Thank you very much. And empathy is so much better than shame or guilt-inspired action. So I'd first focus on having empathy for the fact that you're struggling with whatever this thing is versus having shame or guilt that's inspiring action. Once I have started to give myself some empathy and started to feel for myself as if I was feeling for my best friend and seeing her suffering through something that she wasn't, you know, she was really struggling with. Instead of shaming her or guilting her about it, I would have empathy for her. So try to do that for myself as much as possible. 
Then step two, I would move into writing to the intuition for guidance and next steps because the intuition has a peaceful experience of this vice that you have. Your ego probably has 75 things that it hates about what your vice is and why you shouldn't be doing it, but the intuition is peaceful even about the vice. Now, it doesn't mean it wants you to continue acting in ways that aren't in alignment for your deepest truth or your values or what's really great for yourself, but it will tell you what the next steps could be from a peaceful place rather than a shaming place, which is really good. So it may tell you to get into a group. It may tell you to look for an expert. It may tell you to look for a resource. I'm not even sure what it's going to tell you, but I do know that the information you get from that source is going to be a million times more effective and more peaceful than any guilt or ego inspired action that you would be taking by beating yourself up in step one if we hadn't gotten to epic empathy. And step three is very simple. Do what the intuition advises. Whatever you heard from the writing exercise, I would go forward with that and continue to go back to your intuition for guidance and perspective on the vice instead of the ego because otherwise you're gonna stay stuck in the same shame spiral and often the same unhealthy patterns because the ego that's beating you up is also the same source that's usually inspiring the vice in the first place. So getting out of that and getting aligned with your intuition is most important. Now we have M.G. Smith who said, I was wondering how do you manage to stay grounded while abroad? I've been on two extended trips and both times I found the lack of routine difficult and I've ended up feeling anxious and overwhelmed. And then I feel like I don't get as much out of the experience as I should. I would love to hear some tips. Okay, so when it comes to staying grounded while abroad, I have many suggestions, but I'll try to go through them pretty quickly here. Number one, staying grounded while abroad for me has looked like flow and then adventure. What is the universe flowing to me right now? Then taking that action and the adventures that follow rather than trying to force the adventures and deciding what the adventures will be and then expect them to flow. That was how I used to do things, make the big list of I'm going to do X, Y, and Z and not recognize when maybe this trip isn't turning out the way I thought it would and flow is taking me into a new direction. Instead of fighting that, flowing with it has been awesome and kind of keeps you grounded in its own flowing way. So I guess it's kind of like staying grounded in the flow in that case. Also, the meditation retreat that I just did after two months of traveling and seeing a lot of externally new things, it was so good to go internal, to retreat, to calm down, to have a simple moment, a week of a lot of silence, a lot of introspection, a lot of meditation to really get back into alignment in a few ways that I had even been struggling with while I was traveling. I really, really liked that to stay grounded. Also, in a more mini sense along the way, my morning routine of meditation and intuition writing has continued, I would say, probably 85% of the time, still doing the meditation and intuition writing to stay grounded. Also, staying in Airbnbs or friends' homes, I think, helps stay grounded, not staying in hotels and not staying in hostels. I think that having a home feel and making my home and you know, kind of setting up my home and unpacking has been a way to stay grounded. Also, sometimes I just had a few days where I just wanted to sit inside and do nothing. I wanted to watch a movie, look at nothing new, foreign or different, and just have a day to eat home-cooked food from the grocery store and stay inside and, and not get that like overwhelm from all of the newness of everything. And staying in the same city 
or the same Airbnb for a week at a time. Because this is kind of looking like it's gonna be around six months to a year possibly of my life that I'll be doing this, you really have a lot of time on your hands. It's not like a short period of time that you wanna cram as many specific locations in as possible. So staying for a week or two, or even in the US, I think I'm gonna stay for maybe a whole month in one place is going to be a way to stay grounded and to create more of a routine than the constant travel because the upheaval, the packing, the travel day that it takes to get to the next place and then settling into the new routine in the new place can be ungrounding. So those are the other things that I've used is I've stayed in places more time than some people might and also even going back to the same cities instead of thinking that I have to keep going to new, new, new and get to as many more, more, more places, but to go back to places that resonate with me, to go back to places I know where there is routine or I have friends that I've cultivated through meeting them in my travels has been great. Now we have Grace Spriggs who said, I know it's time to leave my job for moral and health reasons like stress, but I can't because of financial need for steady income for my family. Staying put and doing the work is fine. It's dealing with leadership that's hard. What process do you go through when you know it's time to leave, but when you have to stay? Oh, this is such a great question, Grace. And I guess that you are going to know my answer to this. It's going to be writing to your intuition. It's going to tell you one of two things, I'm guessing, when you do the writing exercise. And as you guys have been hearing me say this, I'll quickly do the shout out. If you haven't heard how to do this, go to jesslively.com slash intuition for more to do the writing exercise. Here's my guess from the writing exercises I've done in the past. I'm going to guess that your intuition is going to tell you either one, it will tell you to stay and offer a peaceful way to handle your current situation, or number two, your intuition writing exercise is going to tell you to leave and then offer a peaceful perspective on how, when, and why to do so. So what you're really looking for is your intuition's guidance in this situation, whether it's to stay for longer or whether it's starting to look for a new job now, even though your ego's scared and thinks you have to stay because of the financial needs your family has, your intuition's going to have exactly the right answer more than I would or anyone else would on this planet. So definitely try that exercise. The great thing to know is that whether it's going to tell you to stay or go right now, Either way, it will tell you what you need to have access to peace right now and going forward into the next steps too. Chalk Jamie said, what is in your handbag slash day pack while you're traveling? Does it differ from what you carry around back home? Great question. For the first two months, I was using either the backpack that I have, which can put my laptop and my work and my headphones and stuff in it. So either I was carrying that, but usually I didn't really carry, but that was an option. Most of the time, however, I was using a seven inch by five inch little pouch crossbody bag, which my friend Danielle in Rome could not believe that I had lived for two months in this tiny little purse. But I will say it really has taught me a lot about minimalism because it can only fit these things. A business card holder that I've been using as a wallet on this trip. So I've downsized to just a little leather business card holder as a wallet, a lip gloss, my camera, and my phone and the keys. And basically it kind of comes down to it was so small that either I could bring an extra phone charger, which was very handy to have on hand if my phone was dying as I used it for Google Maps and those sorts of things, or the camera. So I kind of had an either or amount of room in the bag. But I've recently in Florence during the summer sales they had here in Europe splurged on a bigger tote bag purse. So that has actually now become a new piece of my wardrobe as I travel that I have 
access to if I want to use it. So now I can fit more things like the camera and the phone charger at the same time or a windbreaker or a water a bottle of water, that kind of thing. So now I can actually trek around with more than I was initially. But truth be told, two months I was totally fine using a seven by five inch little bag with the business card wallet holder, lip gloss camera, and phone, along with the keys, of course. Now I have Kay Hill Atlanta who said, would love to hear an update on your book. Are you writing while traveling or is this project on hold? So looking forward to reading it. Love following your travels. Thank you for mentioning this, Kay Hill Atlanta. I guess it's it's still sort of secret slash not secret because what I'm working on is the book. So I can say the subject of the book has changed. I am working on a brand new subject that will not be surprising once you hear about it, but will be surprising in that you don't know exactly what it's about right now. So I'm working on it this week. So excited. I have been working on it throughout this trip as well, but with all the sightseeing and all that stuff, it's gone a little slower than I thought. And that's why I'm working here in Edinburgh for the week to get it done. So hopefully it will be ready by mid-August is kind of what I'm thinking. And I'll be sharing more details as I actually know, but I have been working on it. So thank you for asking. Now we have Clara Ogren who said, I'd love to hear how you're feeling with the limited wardrobe. Is it boring yet or is the limited options more freeing? Hmm. It is more freeing and it is more boring. (laughs) I would say it's kind of both, honestly. Sometimes it depends on the day, whether I'm feeling, whether it's limited or, or whether it's freeing. I have been staying in climates that are kind of extreme, like for example, Rome or Lisbon are very hot right now in the 90s. So that becomes a little boring because I only have so many items that work in that amount of temperature and degrees. And then here in Scotland in the 60s, again, I only have so many. I have like two long sleeve sweaters and a denim shirt that's super wrinkled right now, which I'm not wearing. So basically I'm just wearing each sweater back and forth every day. And then I change out, am I going to wear this sweater with black pants or jeans? And that's pretty much my options at the moment. I can change it up a little bit with jewelry though. So yesterday I went to the anthropology here in Edinburgh and got a cute necklace that kind of makes the outfit slightly different, but it can get boring. And also, like I said, those climates being really different from 60 degrees to 90 degrees is pretty extreme. And I only have so many items that work in those extremes. In the 70s and 80s, you can kind of mix and match the dresses and skirts with longer sleeve tops and that sort of thing. But in the more extreme climates, it gets pretty boring pretty quick. Next up, we have Chrissy XX who asked, how do you cope with being away from your family and friends when you're on your travels? I have been keeping in touch through FaceTime with them, which I normally didn't FaceTime family members very often before, but doing the FaceTime instead of just doing a phone call because I do it on Wi-Fi where I'm not paying for overseas minutes has actually been really great. And I really like the FaceTime part of it. It makes me feel much closer to them than a typical phone call with just the audio would. So that has been great. Also, I've been using texting and WhatsApp to keep in touch. And then I think part of it is coping with being away from friends and family is a lot about making new friends on the trips to see in real life and hang out with now. So that's been another thing that's been really happy and healthy for me, I think, is making new friends so that it's not just like my other friends and family at home. There's not a hole there. I'm still connecting with them and I have friends that I'm interacting with here on the trip. Now we have Jax T who said, what kind of technology do you have with you to continue podcasting? Very simple. I have a laptop and an ATR Technica 2100 microphone. That's it. And a little like pop filter for the microphone too. 
That's all I need to keep doing it. I just send everything and upload it to the internet. And I have my team like VK and Joe, our podcasting producer, putting the show together and getting things going. I don't even have Photoshop at this point. So our graphic designer, Alana, has been doing the episode covers as well. So really all I need is an internet connection, this microphone, and this laptop. Now we have Dilapidus who asked, how do you reconcile the idea of flow with the idea that there are some things worth working or overcoming obstacles for? Ooh, this is a good one. So here's what I'm thinking about this. When is it worth overcoming obstacles for something versus flow? To be honest, I could have answered this differently six months ago, a year ago or two years ago. I would have had a different answer for you. My answer right now at this point in my life and this point in my experience is to say that I don't think there are things worth overcoming obstacles for. Now hear me out on that because I think that's going to go counterculture, especially in America, to a lot of things that people might be thinking and counterculture to a lot of what we're taught. But I think the ego creates things that it sees as obstacles or it assigns something as an obstacle. And often it is the ego that's deciding what we should do in the first place instead of asking our intuition. And so we end up going against the flow because we're not asking our intuition. We're not aligning with what our intuition wants for us. And so these obstacles are in our way, quote unquote, because we're not in alignment with our intuition in the first place. So we're not actually aligning with flow. So if your ego decides it wants to flow somewhere, that's like I said earlier, that's saying, I'm going to have this adventure and I'm expecting flow to follow. Instead of asking yourself, what is the universe or what is this life moment opportunity flowing to me right now? And then taking the adventure that goes along with that flow. If you're wondering how to figure out whether your ego is making this up and then therefore creating obstacles in its way and whether you're actually finding flow or whether you're deciding that you want to have adventure first and then forcing flow to follow, of course, write to your intuition. Find out what it's asking you to do and then follow it. Or you can even do it even more simply than that. What is the universe flowing to be right now and going with that? That doesn't mean that you do things that don't feel good or that don't feel peaceful just because they're coming up. You know, just because someone wants you to do something in your career doesn't mean that it's aligned with your values, your priorities, or your intuition. So you still have to say no to things that come up that someone might want you to do. But at the same time, we're not forcing things. Because here's an example to this. And this is where years ago, I would have had a different opinion on this because I was approaching things from a different energetic level that was not flowing as well as it is now. And I can tell you I'm much happier in this point in my life than I was before doing it the old way. In the past, I decided I wanted to have these great traveling workshops that were going to be business advice. And I was having a lot of obstacles, if you will, to it. I was always selling out half of the events, no matter how many spots I had or what the price point was or whatever, I was always about 50% full. So I ended up losing money on it. You could see those as obstacles. And I thought they were worth working through. I thought I just had to keep going. And I eventually, after almost a year of them, finally asked my intuition what I should do next. And I heard a totally different answer than more workshops, than more business coaching. It wasn't even business coaching at all. It was all the work I'm working on now was what I heard to go to back then. 
And had I not asked my intuition, I would have kept investing money, kept pushing forward, kept going into obstacle after obstacle, not getting to where I wanted to be because I wasn't going with the flow of my intuition in the first place. So that's why I have this answer for you, Dilapidus, and I hope that it connects with you. If you try the writing exercise, I really think that's going to give you so much insight into whether obstacles are worth working over, because that actually in and of itself is a wonderful question to ask your intuition. Is what I'm encountering right now an obstacle? Is it something I should keep overcoming or how can I overcome it? It's going to tell you. The intuition's going to say this is an obstacle and it's worth overcoming maybe or maybe it'll say this is a sign that things aren't working in this way or you need to shift how you're seeing and approaching this thing or you I really want you to do something totally different in a new direction. Either way, your intuition's going to have the answers that you personally need. Now we have Morley who asked Do you see yourself living long-term in Europe sometime in the near future? Love your podcast, by the way. Great question. I can't believe no one's really asked me this outright, I don't think yet until now, but yes, right now, and this is, where are we at? We're like mid-July, my current thought, and I want to see if this flows. I don't know if this is actually gonna flow. I'm waiting to get back to the US to see if this does flow, and if it does, great. If it doesn't, I will greatly and happily go to where it is flowing me to. But right now, I am curious to see if flow takes me back to Lisbon, Portugal. If so, my hope is that it flows back in October, but I don't know if that will actually happen or not. So I, like I said, I'm waiting to see how flow goes. I will be going back to the States in mid-August for a bachelorette weekend for a dear friend I'm in her wedding for, and her wedding is in October. So my thought is to stay in the States at least from August to October when that happens. There's no point in flying back here and going back and forth all the time to Europe and the US so quickly. So planning to stay until maybe at least October and then hoping that visas work out and that I can stay in Lisbon, Portugal. Actually, On that note, if anyone has any advice on the visas and especially as an online self-employed business owner, how to do that, I'm specifically looking at Portugal, but if you have any resources or recommendations on what I need to look into in order to have this happen, that would be fantastic. I've had some people recommend also the EU passport thing because I am Italian. My ancestry, technically, I could try to do that, but I have very hazy details on my great-great-grandfather's hometown in Italy. So I I don't really know how feasible. We don't even know exactly what our last name was in Italy because Constable, my former last name, is what the nuns changed the Italian last name to when my great grandpa was little. So we're not even sure exactly the hometown or the last name. So I think that might be more difficult than finding other visa ways to get to Europe, but would love any advice if you have any. Now we have a funny question, and Eva even says it's fun in her question that she's asking. Eva Mihes asked, this is more of a fun question. Have you tried dating in Europe? If so, how is it different from the U.S.? Yes, Eva, I have been dating here in Europe a little bit. Traveling, I'll say, does make it difficult because you don't get to see people for very long because you're traveling to new cities, but it has been fun to do it as well. What's really fun about it and how it's different is that they usually, for the most part, I've met people that have been living in the cities 
that I'm visiting for longer. Either they are from those cities or they've been living there for three to five years or something like that. So they can take me to really cool things that I would never know about not being a local from their culture. So that is really cool. And also getting to learn about their language and their expressions that they use has been my favorite thing to learn on the dates is to talk about different expressions they have in different cultures. In addition, of course, the online dating apps, the trends in different parts of Europe are pretty fun too. When you do the dating apps, you'll see like the photos and stuff. And it's fun to see the trends in different countries, like men wearing kilts in Scotland is very common. Men wearing Speedos in Italy is very common. Surfers are very common photos in Portugal. So it's interesting to see the trends in each country or, or city, I guess, in each country as well. So that's kind of what has been different than the U.S., but in the same way, I guess in the U.S., there would be trends on dating apps, too. For like example, there's a lot of like hunting and fishing things in Michigan. I'm sure there's many surfers in California. So maybe it's not actually that different. But I will say getting to go to really cool restaurants that are really hidden gems and having them order in their native language for you and just tell you, you got to try this and you got to go to these places. That has been really special. Now we have Amy Norman, who said, hi. I recently started listening to your podcast, and I've learned so much about flow and intuition versus ego. I recently moved to Denver for a contract position that was supposed to last six months. It only lasted one. After that, I couldn't find a job that paid enough, and I ended up blowing through my savings, and now I'm living with my mom in a small rural town, and so far my intuition isn't telling me to move elsewhere. This scares me. In my life, I crave a close set of friends, a serious relationship, and a successful career. And I just don't see how I will be able to have these things while I'm living here, especially living at home, which I'm far too old to be doing. I'm in my 30s. How do you trust your intuition and the universe? I miss going out with friends and having a boyfriend so much, it breaks my heart a little bit. I feel like I'm missing out on such an important part of life. First of all, I want to give you a lot of empathy for the pain that you're feeling that sucks. That not that your situation sucks, but that you are feeling that pain about where you're at. I want to give you so much empathy for that. Next, I would say the fact that you're focusing more on what you don't have, the fact that you don't have these things in your life and the lack of them could actually be part of what is stopping you from getting what you do want, which is them. Focusing on the lack of them versus how great it will feel in the future when you have them, and how great this moment is too. So this is something I'm literally walking my own walk in many ways. And I think that my situations have unfolded in many ways that are really positive because of this practice and all is coming mentality that I've been having since the breakup last year. So when that happened, I still want all the things that I was kind of going for in many ways from the past. I just know that that relationship has run and completed its life in that format. And now it's time to move on. But my ego still wants to have a family. It still wants to have a house. It still wants all that stuff that it doesn't have right now. But I have learned back then before I had any idea I'd be traveling and all that stuff that was totally off mind or radar at the time. I do remember learning about this yoga phrase, practice and all is coming. And it really resonated with me. And I'd love for you to try to see how it fits for you. Maybe it will resonate. Maybe it won't. But what I heard that phrase practice and all is coming. What I recognized was at that moment I was trading two for 20. 
I was trading two years that might be kind of seen as quote unquote a setback in some ways because I could have been moving forward and having kids in the house and all that stuff that I said I wanted at that time. I set myself back, if you will, because now I don't have anywhere close to any of those things. But what I was really trading for was 20 intention fueled, value fueled years to come. So following my intuition when it told me to make that decision, even though it set me back a little bit, maybe temporarily in things I wanted, I knew the peace that would come with those 20 years of following the intuition were far worth the waiting, if you will. Now for you, you didn't necessarily seek this out, but your intuition, like you said, is telling you to be where you're at. So having faith in that and say that maybe you're stepping back in this way than where you want to go for this moment is for you kind of a practice and all is coming two for 20 as well. When you come to the practicing, what I remind myself is everything I want, all of that stuff that I just said, I just stepped away from, it's going to come in my life. I have faith that it will be here in the future and it's going to come into my life because of the fact that I am fully living the present moment right now, 100%. And right now I'm living out of a suitcase, 100%, which when I go to anthropology, I'm not going to lie. I look at all that stuff that you buy for the house stuff because I'm always the house shopper at anthropology more than a clothing shopper. And I can't buy the cute mugs, glassware, wine openers, cork toppers, the coasters that are really pretty. I can't buy that stuff right now because I don't have a place to put it, but that's okay. I look at it as practice and all is coming. By fully living the life that I have right now, everything I want in the future will be mine as well. And even if it doesn't look exactly how I expect it to, I have faith that I will love that future equally to whatever I think I expect it to look like. So I would ask yourself to see if that may be something you can get on board with as well. And of course, that might be hard if your ego is sitting here railing against the fact that it doesn't like where you're at. And in that case, I would write to your intuition about this phase and what you're here to learn from it. Because once you have learned the lesson that this phase of your life is teaching you, there will be new things that come up and you will continue to flow to the next step. So I hope that helps you. I really think this practice mentality of fully giving yourself and fully enjoying what this season has to bring, like deepening your relationship with your mother perhaps, or saving money for the next season of your life, whatever it's going to be, your intuition will help you to see what those lessons are and what those advantages are. But if you can appreciate it fully, more great things will come versus focusing on the lack of what you have, sending out the signal of, I don't have it, I don't have it, I don't have it, is not going to bring more to you. There's this phrase, happy, thank you, more, please. It's an indie movie my friend Katie Dale about told me and told me about. And the title actually is even better, I think, than the movie itself. The idea is happy, thank you, more, please. When you give gratitude because something is bringing you joy and you're grateful for it in your life, what you're essentially doing is saying, thank you, universe, more, please. Thank you, because while you're giving gratitude for something, you are accentuating what you want more of. So... Practice and all is coming. Being grateful for where you're at in this moment will bring you more of what you want, not more of what you don't want. When you keep thinking about what you don't have yet, you're really talking about how you're you're sending out the signal of like, I'm not where I want to be yet. I'm not where I want to be yet. I'm not where I want to be yet. Instead of saying, I'm so happy I'm here right now and I'm so excited about the future too. That energy, I think, can do a lot to shift things. And at least that's literally very, very honestly where I'm at personally in my life is making that shift from instead of focusing on lack 
to focusing on here's where I'm at. I'm going to fully appreciate, fully love it, fully be aligned with my intuition and have faith that everything else I want that I don't have right now is going to happen. I've struggled with this over the whole summer, quite honestly, when it comes to relationship, my ego was so jonesing for a new relationship and jonesing to find that next partner because it thought, well, I can live anywhere. If I could just go find my partner, then I can go live with them wherever they are, wherever they live in the world. And that energy, that focus on kind of the lack in some ways was not getting me anywhere. And it took until this meditation retreat to really set in and to really let that go and to really stay aligned. And I've just got to keep staying here in this beautiful place that I'm at now, which is fully living this moment. Because I have a feeling that by fully living this moment, all the other stuff that I want, including a partner, will come to me. I don't have to seek it. I don't and I don't think it was working to be seeking it the way I was before, which was where I was focusing on how happy I'd be then. I'm happy now, and I'm as happy now as I hope to be when I'm with that partner. And that is actually what's going to bring the new partner in my life that matches that same feeling of emotion that I'm having. I'm not going to get them because I'm lacking that emotion. I will most likely attract and find them because I'm at that emotion already. I know that stuff's kind of crazy, and if this is interesting to you guys, I'd be happy to go into this more, but truly, that's like the real work I've been doing in the last three months of my life is focusing on this perspective. So it may not be the most clearly defined or understandable from what I've just kind of rambled to you, but if it resonates with you, please let me know, and I'm happy to go into this more in the episodes to come in the future. And there you have it, guys. That is what I have for you in terms of questions for today. Next up on the trip, there will be a solo week. I'm staying here in Edinburgh for the rest of the week. And then this weekend, my brother Michael is going to be in town too. He is actually working for his company abroad in London for a month, which just happens to coordinate with this trip that I'm on. Totally unexpected, but really fantastic. I told him about Edinburgh last week when I was here just for a quick one day and he booked a weekend with his friends. So I'll be spending time with them and then moving on from there. And then of course, this Thursday, I'll be sharing what I took away from my lively adventure at the Buddhist meditation retreat in the Scottish Highlands. So excited to share that takeaway with you guys in Thursday's episode. Until then, may something wonderful happen to you today. 